2: I'm Sarah Bivens.
3: And I'm Matthew Bivens.
2: We had a home birth back in 2016.
3: So we started a podcast about it.
2: And then grew it into a birth brand to help future and current parents believe in their success with home birth.
3: This is the place to hear home birth stories along with helpful resources and tips to feel empowered and supported in your birth journey.
2: This is Doing It At Home. Hello, loved ones and welcome home. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. We really appreciate you. If you have not subscribed already, please hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast player you are using. And if you want to get connected more with doing it at home, you can go to our website, diahpodcast.com dot com to learn more to find all the ways to follow us connect check out the merch our books any and everything will be there for you and then we also have links for you in the show notes of whatever device player you are listening with so thank you again you know this is episode 379 so if you if this is your first episode wow Thank you. This is incredible. If this is your 379th episode, incredible as well. And you can find all of our episodes in whatever podcast player you listen to and check out all the amazing stories that we have to share and will continue to share as long as 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 we keep doing this thing, as long as we keep doing it at home. (laughs) Today's episode is entitled Openly Sharing Miscarriage at Home Story for Healing and Finding Meaning with Susan Stange. Our guest, Susan, examples what the process looks like of sharing some of your deepest pains to process, to heal, and to find meaning in our experiences. And so after four hospital births for her fifth pregnancy, Susan was set on a home birth. And then around 11 weeks, the pregnancy ended. A month later, Susan went through a labor and a birth experience in her home. So she walks us through her process, the ups, the downs, what's been helping in the healing journey and how she's been connecting with others and how her transparent and open sharing of her experience in her various platforms, you know, primarily on social media, how there's been a lot of outreach and great connections and great opportunities to share other stories and to have people feel more heard and seen and understood when it comes to this experience, when it comes to pregnancy loss and miscarriage. And we're very personally grateful that we're able to share stories like this and bring awareness to experiences like this to normalize it, to open the box of it, so to speak, and allow women to share their journeys in a really open way and one that can be about healing and and connecting with others and and to just share this is what we're all about here is sharing the stories so thank you so much to susan for her deep candor and transparency and vulnerability in her sharing quick word from our sponsor and then we'll hear susan's story
0: Hi, Susan. Welcome to the
1: podcast. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. We're Thank you so much. Yeah, you. thanks for joining us. <laughs> um, why
2: Why don't you kick us off by sharing a little bit about you and your family?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, so my name is Susan. I live in Arizona. We moved from Utah about just right at the beginning of COVID. Um, I've been a birth worker for about five years. I started with birth documentation with photos, gradually added on video. And then once COVID hit, I realized nobody was going to let me in the hospital unless I was a doula. So that kind of led me into doula work. And then I found out that I actually really love being a doula and providing support to mothers having their babies and it's just become a huge part of my life. Um, so I'm married, I have a husband, his name is Andrew, and we have four children. We have Chelsea, Alexa, Barrett, and Elise. And we recently were pregnant and had a miscarriage in February. Um, and that's kind of why I'm here today. I want to talk to you about that.
2: Great. Yeah, I love being able to to share all the variations of the stories, right? And you have um and when you reached out and we we had a connection before this conversation and you've shared you've processed this pretty openly and you've talked about it and you've received a lot of great feedback and connection and communication so i'm i'm really honored to share your story and to support you in expressing it and you know we can learn we can learn from it and we can normalize the experiences i mean one in four women right and so yes. so here we are let's talk about it um i am I'm curious just before we hop into that, your work into photography and then specifically birth photography was there something that led you specifically to birth photography? because you know,
1: it's different <laughs> I imagine than like taking photos mm-hmm. of trees Nature. <laughs> yeah. Buildings. Yeah. definitely a little different than that. Um, you know, it's just kind of funny is I was always interested in photography. Um, I kind of started getting into it when I had my first baby, Mm -hmm. she's almost 10 now. And so I was one of those, let me get a fancy camera so I can take cute pictures of my baby. Um, I did that for years and then I'm actually an elementary education, uh, graduate. And every six years you have to prove basically that you've continued your education to renew your license. Mm So, Um, I decided to take a photography course. And as soon as I took that course, it kind of just opened up my eyes a lot Mm. to what I can do. And one of our assignments was, excuse me, it was narrative, which is storytelling. And I had seen people do birth photography before. And I thought, Oh, how cool would it be if I could go to somebody's birth and that could be the assignment that I hand in. And I had one friend who was pregnant. Unfortunately, she wasn't going to be having her baby until after the assignment, but I still asked her, you know, Hey, if it's a convenient day for me, would you mind if I came and took pictures at your birth? And she said, Oh, absolutely. So she went into labor on a Sunday and that was a convenient day for me. So I went to her birth and hers was actually a hospital birth. Um, and it was, but she did it unmedicated and it was just glorious. It was so incredible and beautiful. And I walked out of the hospital and just knew that that's what I was going to be doing, that this was going to be kind of a lifetime calling for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so from then that did lead to more, and I had way more experiences with births in hospital and birthing centers at home. And then I became the doula and I learned all the things and that led me to deciding on. So my first four babies were hospital births. My miscarriage that I just had, that was a home birth. And it was a really as miscarriages go. It's a, it was a really good experience. Mm. (laughs) That sounds funny. I know, but that's how it was. Yeah. (laughs) And
2: so this most recent pregnancy, was it an an intended pregnancy? Were you surprised by it?
1: Yeah, it was an intended pregnancy. I actually, um, I told my husband, I am not committing to another baby and to another pregnancy, unless you agree to support me in a home birth. Mm. And so he agreed. And um, there's more to it than that. There, there was a little bit of, you know, there's kind of some difficulty sometimes with insurances Mm -hmm. and financial things with birth, but
3: um,
1: there was one midwife who I knew I wanted. Her name is Nancy and she's with emergence midwifery here. I knew I wanted her because I've worked with lots and, I just knew her to be a really amazing person. So, um, I reached out to her and she was not covered by insurance and my husband, that was kind of hard for him just to think financially. But I wrote him this letter and told him how much I loved him and appreciated him through all of our years of marriage and support. And I told him, I really need your support right now. Mm. Um, even though you may not understand this. And so I gave him a, just praised him, asked him for support and love gave him a big long list, why I wanted the specific midwife I wanted. And he read the letter, he read the list and he was on board ever since then. Wow. So yeah, he's he's kind of a really awesome guy. I kind of like him a lot. That's great, yeah.
3: <laughs> that's, of all the stories, I, I don't think I've heard a, a home birth conversation kind of like that, writing a letter mm. and just mm-hmm. the approach that you took, that's that's amazing. And um, <laughs> with your husband, you know, he said he was on board a- after he was on board, and you all were kind of going through the process of preparing for the home birth, um, can you remember any things that were coming up for him about having the home birth since the f- the other four children were all hospital, and this one is you know of course different now being at home?
1: No, um I think he really trusted me and he trusted mm. my experience. I mean I'd been to a slew of home births, yeah. and we all of our hospital births were really standard is what i'll say i'll say standard mm-hmm. and so and my body knew what to do and so he he had a lot of faith in me and I mean, Wonderful. my letter was pretty good. Like,
3: my letter
1: <laughs> and my list—they were pretty convincing. Oh, I can be great. very convincing when
2: I want to be. That's amazing. <laughs> so, so I'm seeing a template coming out of this that uh, we share
1: as a yeah. resource
2: <laughs> for those who feel the need to express their desire for home birth for per for, for the, the particularly reluctant <laughs> partners and family members. Um, I'm I'm curious. Had your work and in, and. In, experience in the home birth world with your photography and doula work had that influenced you know your choice for a home birth or you know what put you in that space where you said if the only Mm -hmm. reason i'll have another baby is if we can do it at home what what contributed to that
1: um yes absolutely Mm. that is a hundred percent what contributed to it i never would have had a home birth had i not had the experience i had Mm -hmm. i just noticed that um births in homes were more powerful. Honestly, it's just what it felt like. They were more intimate. Mm -hmm. I felt more connected with the people. And I loved that you got to pick your birth team. So you knew who exactly was going to be in your space and you got to hand select them. And I loved that. And I, and you know, honestly, the main thing I loved the very most was after you had your baby, you crawled into bed, And that, and you were done. You didn't ever have to get in a car, not even once. Everybody came to you. And so, and on it, that was the thing that I wanted the very most was I wanted my postpartum. Mm -hmm. So it's absolutely my experience with that. My first home birth was in March, right before COVID really got started. And that was very impressive to me, just how it all went down. And so, yes, the answer is short answer is yes. (laughs) So, what sort of
2: resources or preparation, or what sort of conversations were you having with your midwife and with Andrew? Mm-hmm. Um, what what was that? Those early, those early conversations, early stage, like in the pregnancy.
1: Um, I don't know. They just. I mean, I I built up a lot of information okay. over my doula sure. experiencing and stuff. So that honestly, there wasn't a ton. Um, I mean, if you're wanting resources like you could read the hypnobirthing book, which is Mm -hmm. awesome. Or the Bradley method is awesome. You know, those things. Um, but other than that, like it really is just, it was experience. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Had you announced the pregnancy? Yes. So I, I am an open book. Mm -hmm. I very much wear my feelings on my sleeve. I tell things how I see them to be. And, you know, it's really funny even before the miscarriage, I think, somehow i knew it was going to happen
0: mm.
1: and uh, so in my head i thought you know even if i do have a miscarriage i would rather just tell people cuz a lot of moms you know they wait until they're 14 weeks they get the first ultrasound and there's nothing wrong with that um so i guess i should clarify right now i am not everyone I know not everyone is very comfortable with sharing the intimate details of their lives. And some people would feel more comfortable with, um, keeping all of that very private. And that is really okay. Um, so everything I say is from my own perspective and is my own story Mm -hmm. and whatever, anyone who is listening, whatever your story is, it doesn't make you wrong. So you feel what you need to feel and you do what feels right to you. Mm-hmm. For me, mm-hmm. it made sense to share early because I thought if I do miscarry, then I will have a lot of support. And when people ask me if I'm feeling bad or what's going on, I don't have to say, well, I was pregnant, but now I'm not. Mm-hmm. I just have to say I lost my baby. And then it's an immediate understanding. It doesn't take them off guard. It's just, It was just very easy. So I announced it early. Um, it also helps to announce it early in the birthing world because people are booking you months in advance.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So you announce early on and then people know, oh, she's not booking for these months. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's part of it too. Can gotcha. you
3: can you describe the feeling that you said that you had? Just this feeling that, that you might miscarry?
1: You know, I don't really know, but there were just points throughout the entire experience where it was just and it just intuitive almost. I just kind of knew maybe you could say it was, I knew it was a possibility, but I almost didn't even want to get pregnant a fifth time because I, at that point, And I, I said it to myself, I have a perfect track record. <laughs> mm. And so I was like, maybe we don't have a fifth child because what if we miscarry? But then I thought like, I'm not going to deprive a spirit life mm. because of my fear. Mm. Um, I, 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 have, I live a very faithful life. I depend on the Lord a lot, which is how I got through this entire experience. Mm-hmm.
2: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So then can you walk us through the weeks and the leading up to, and just any other aspects of it that um, are, are significant You know, markers of, of yeah. how you moved into the experience?
1: Yeah, um, thank you so much for asking. All the questions. Um, So let me say first, one of the biggest reasons I wanted to share on your podcast, especially is because I feel like most, maybe I can't say for sure, because I don't know the study, but... A lot of women, their experience is they go into the ultrasound, discover that there's no heartbeat, and their doctors immediately recommend a DNC, mm-hmm. which is if for anyone who doesn't know, is basically you schedule a procedure where they um either put you out or you're awake mm-hmm. for it and they clean you out. Right. They get your baby out. And um that does not sound pleasant to me. And so anyway my experience was not that my experience was a home birth and I wonder if very many people know that that's even an option. Yeah. So, um, Mm. the weeks leading up, let me tell you a little bit about the story. So, um, I was about 11 weeks along when my midwife came to my home for our first meeting. Um, I had met with her before then, and we had talked about things, but this was our first prenatal, Um, she had brought her Doppler. I laid down on my couch and she used her Doppler to try and find my baby's heartbeat. And we couldn't find one. She, I did not freak out because it was my goal for this entire pregnancy to be completely calm and just chill. I did not want to, I didn't want to blow anything out of proportion or get too excited about things, which is a huge blessing. And I'll explain why later. So she came, we couldn't find the heartbeat, but she assured me, you know, it's this early on, it's a 50, 50 chance of finding it. And so I chose to be calm. And she told me if you want, I can come back this weekend and we can check again. If that'll make you feel better in a week, um, you can also set up an ultrasound if you like. And I said, thank you. And I decided not to do any of those things because again, I was just trying to be still about it. Mm-hmm. Um, something kind of interesting. And I think one of the indicators that we were talking about before was I actually got really sick the week before my meeting with my midwife. I never got it verified, but I'm pretty sure it was COVID. Mm. Um, I was out for five days. The first day was absolutely miserable. And then I just got a little bit better every single day. And I had been having morning sickness all that time as well. As soon as I got better from what I supposed to be COVID, I also was no longer morning sick.
3: Mm, Interesting.
1: so um to me that means basically covid killed my baby which is really um in a weird way like it's awful but at the same time it's comforting because i know some moms it's just you know they question things like i read a post from another mom once i was was it the bag of dog food that i lifted and carried was it this was it this um but in the end for me i'm not really angry we get sick. It happens sometimes miscarriages happen and they're so painful. Um, and unfortunately that's just a part of life. Um, and just for interested persons, I, I was vaccinated and I, I still lost my baby. I still got sick and it, I mean, it just can happen to anybody and it's just really stinky. (laughs) It's really not good in any case. Um, so I didn't have any suspicions exactly. I did kind of wonder, oh, that's odd. I was having a morning sickness and now, okay, I guess I'm done. But um, my next meeting with my midwife um, was about a month later and it was on a Wednesday. But on Saturday, I woke up in the morning and I had some bloody show. So I, I, meant, I text messaged my doula and I asked her this is normal right just getting some validation mm-hmm. and she said well you know what is it, what color is it and if it's and I said well it's kind of brown which suggests that it's just old blood so it's mm-hmm. probably okay um and so I tried to remain calm throughout the day but every time I would go to the bathroom I would notice more um I talked to my midwife and they asked me, you know, if I'd had any cramping. And I told them no. Um, I laid down at one point during the day and listened to um Christian Hypnobirthing. It's a really great app. I really liked it. Um, it just kind of helped me get into the right headspace of faith and rather than fear. Mm. Um, towards the end of the end of the day, I began to feel cramping and I was really quite concerned. Um I was praying. I had my husband give me a blessing. and he ha- he has this priesthood authority in our church. And so he I had him give me a blessing. And I went to bed that night and woke up early in the morning. And my one of my doula clients was in labor. Oh, wow. And it was so hard to call her. Um, I had asked my midwife, I'm like I feel like maybe I'm okay, but I'm not sure. And she told me that I should probably stay home. And it was such a difficult call, mm-hmm. called my client. And I told her, I'm so sorry. I want to be there, but I'm losing my baby. I'm miscarrying. So I can't come. Mm-hmm. And of course they were very understanding and kind. And I called in my, my wonderful friend and my backup um, to do, go cover it for them. And she did, and she did a fantastic job and they had their baby and it was a beautiful experience and um yeah and i i can go i don't know yeah. <laughs> i i'd like to tell more of the story but i also really want this to be i really like asking questions so that yeah. i think i answered the last question you
3: asked <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so at this point in the experience you were pretty clear that that the, it was a miscarriage
1: yeah i was um I eventually passed my first couple blood clots, and honestly, I thought I was done. I had like two tiny little blood clots, and I thought I was done. Mm. Um, I definitely was not done and uh, but I messaged people immediately, and I told I have a group of Doula photographer friends, and I messaged them and told them, and I messaged my family, and I told my family what happened and Um, My kids came in, we explained what happened to them. um, And that was really hard. Yeah. And they were so loving and reacted in so many different ways that were just indicative of their personalities, I thought was so interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, in that moment, I felt so much peace and I felt so much gratitude and calm and I truly believe it's because of the support I received um, from my family and friends and the prayers that were being said on my behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was not done. Mm-hmm. And um, the morning continued, and every time I would get up to go to the bathroom, just more would come. It was awful. I I have a really hard talking about this part because it's just, and I'm not sugarcoating, I'm sorry. Like it's mm-hmm. it's just not a good feeling to lose so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I continued to lose throughout the day. And then, um, let's see, I, I had been messaging my midwife all throughout, explaining what was going on. Um, my main fear at that point was that I would deliver my baby into the toilet. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not want that to happen. I was very afraid of doing that. Um, and so I was grateful when, when my baby did start to come, it was, it was labor it wasn't just losing a bunch of blood clots this time yeah um, i birthed my baby i remembered my breathing and i remembered everything that that goes into laboring and i caught my baby in my hand and i i did something i never thought i would do i set my baby out on the chucks pad and i caressed it mm-hmm. and i told my baby i'm sorry i'm so sorry and my husband was in the other room. Um, he's He was watching the kids most of the time. It was a Sunday and we were all home. So he was kind of taking care of them and being with me as he could. And he was in the other room and he heard me say, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And he said, Susan, it's not your fault. I said, I know. Um, I'm just sorry that it couldn't be more. Just wanted my baby to have more. It's okay. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. Um. So after I passed my baby, um, more time passed. My husband stayed with the kids downstairs mostly, and. My youngest came upstairs and at one point I went to the bathroom and I was feeling very lightheaded and cause I wasn't totally done even after I delivered my baby and I was feeling very lightheaded. I got up and went to the bathroom and when I came back, I practically tripped over to my bed and the Chuck's pad that was on my bed was gone. And I said, Elise, where? <laughs> bring back my Chuck's pad. I knew she had it. But um, I knelt down next to my bed and I thought to myself, I think I should lay down. And the next second I opened my eyes and I was looking at the underside of my bed. So I had passed out mm. um, and I had given myself this rug burn, which was really irritating after that because every time I cried, I would rub my eyes and it would get into my rug burn. I was like this is really irritating. <laughs> but um I called my my midwife after that and she came to my home. She's a certified nurse midwife which means she give IVs and things and so she brought me some fluids. Um and I was done basically after that. But um I guess at this point I'd really love to mention one thing I love about the midwifery care model the midwifery care model and the home birth model is the fact that they do come to your home and that you do, you feel very much, um, connected to them. Whereas I guarantee if I had been in the hospital, I would have had a very disconnected experience. Um, a lot of people that I talk to their doctors very much treat it as a procedure you're in and out and done. And that's it. Um, Nancy came to my home and she held my hand. She helped my daughter change into three different costumes. <laughs> and she, she prayed for me. She prayed over me and she gave me um, Floridix, which is this iron supplement. She gave me, Oh, what else did she give me? I don't know. She gave me all kinds of things to help um, oil. She had oils prepared next to my bed so I could rub on my tummy and just, heal. Um, after you have a miscarriage, you, you've gone through labor and you need to heal just like you did through labor. So, um, yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: How many weeks did this happen at?
1: Um, so I think the baby passed about 10 weeks and I was 15 weeks. So that kind of plays into my gratitude as well. Um, if I had gone and gotten the ultrasound and if I had gone and, um, tried to hear the heartbeat again, I think things would have been really differently. Mm -hmm. So rather than walking around knowing that I had lost my baby, I think those weeks would have been really hard. Mm -hmm. And then I might've gone into the hospital and had the DNC, but instead I waited and then the baby passed on, I th- on his own. I don't know the gender of our baby, but um, I actually had this really beautiful dream the morning before I miscarried that he was a boy, mm-hmm. and I had named him Brendan. Mm-hmm. So I don't know for sure, but <clears throat> but that dream was pretty vivid, mm-hmm. yeah. and that, so I believe that he was a boy, and his name is Brendan. Mm-hmm. And. Your
2: your children, when they came in and you all kind of connected there and explained, the age range of your children is what, about 10 to 3? Yes. And so you mentioned, you know, some of the responses and interpretations and understandings of it, you mm-hmm. know, fitting the, of their, their personalities, and I imagine their ages too. Um, yes. Is there just any more about that that you could share, whether it's um, – Cause I've been curious about that as well, you know, in a, in a miscarriage of family with siblings and their ages, Mm -hmm. what, what that kind of receptivity is like, or even in the week since, you know, in the months since
1: um, how that has
2: processed.
1: Mm -hmm. So my oldest daughter, like I said, she's almost 10, her response, um, she cried and then wanted some time alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she went to her room for a little while and she cried on her own My second daughter is going to be eight soon. And she cried and immediately ran to me and wanted to hug me. And she sat with me and cried with me. Um, My son came upstairs. He heard secondhand from the girls and he said, mom, did your baby die? And I said, yeah, but the baby's gone. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry, mom. And then that was basically it. And he's, he's six. And so it None of what anything my family did was hurtful at all. Yeah. Um, it was all to be expected for their ages. And, yeah. and then my three-year-old came, came up and said, mommy, your baby died. Say yes, mommy's baby is gone. And she said, I sorry, mommy. Mm. And then that was it. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing was, so they were sad for a while, but they kind of continued. And by the end of the day, my oldest said, I thought we'd be sad about that a lot longer. Oh, Wow. <laughs> Kids. And I just yeah. kind of laughed and I said, you know, it's, it's going to be like that, Chelsea. Um, mm-hmm. There are going to be some days where we're feeling really good and things are totally fine. And there are going to be some days that are not good and mom's going to be really sad and mom's going to cry and that's okay. And that's normal. And I've really found that to be true. Um, the kids, the kids are doing great. Um, it's very different. You know, they're younger. They don't mm-hmm. really understand Um, even my husband, he's handled it very differently than I have. And I think that's something really important to say is first of all, every hand, everyone handles miscarriage differently. No way is really wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, it's okay. If your husband is not handling it the same way that you are, and it doesn't mean he doesn't care. It doesn't mean that it doesn't matter to him. It just, it just is the way it is. And like my husband, he's, he didn't really cry. Mm. He's not really a crier anyway. And him, it was just like, he was disappointed and he's really sad and he's sad for me, but he didn't really connect in the same way. Mm. Like, and that's, that is totally okay. Do I wish sometimes that he had been more of that man that would be like that? Yeah, kind of but that's not who he is and that's okay.
3: And and have you all had conversations since then like what have those conversations been like?
1: Well, not really with the kids like sometimes they'll ask about it and we'll just kind of talk about how things went very in an educational way. Mm. Um but my husband and I actually after I listened to your episode I cannot remember the mother's name but she was from Brazil. And it was her stillbirth story. Mm. I thought I was ready for it. And I was not, Mm. it was an incredible, beautiful experience. And I'm glad I listened to it, but for my emotional state, I was not ready Mm. and it kind of wrecked me for the day. And I so hope that if she's listening, she doesn't take this the wrong way (laughs) because it was beautiful and I don't want to invalidate your experience. So that's just take it in that way. In any case, I was pretty wrecked and I called up my husband and we had a really great conversation. He kind of, excuse me, <clears throat> he kind of reminded me um, just how much I was loved. He reminded me how much God loved me and that he has a plan for each of us. And um, that's honestly been like I said, it's been the thing that's gotten me through, but also finding meaning in this experience. And I think that goes for any trial that anybody has. I think of the book, man's search for meaning. Mm -hmm. Um, You can go through terrible, awful things and still come out stronger on the other side. If you cease to be a victim and cease to suffer and find purpose and meaning in your experience. For me, that has been sharing my story and that has been being vulnerable and opening, opening up and telling people my experience, because this happens in, you know, one out of every four women, we lose babies and it's not talked about very often, Yeah. but I know that that's partly what got me through it was people telling me their experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I know that having this experience is going to make me a better doula. Mm. Um, having my doula texting me throughout the whole thing was huge. Mm-hmm. That continuous support and knowing that she had experience to herself, she knew. Um, after my baby was born, I had another friend who is also a doula. She came and she brought me a miscarriage kit. Mm. And she oh, said, wow. obviously, we don't want this to happen again, but if it ever does, you have this and in that kit you can buy a kit off of Amazon that has everything in it or you can go buy the things yourself it's basically um a fetus encapsulation thing to like hold onto your your baby until you know what you want to have done with it mm-hmm. um on that vein you can you can do lots of things with your baby you can um you could cremate your baby if you wanted to you could bury your baby um, and some women do just flush it down the toilet. I, um, so one thing I'd mentioned was that I didn't want to have that happen, but after I had sat for a while looking at my baby, I <clears throat> tried examining and finding out more information, but I forgot how difficult it was to break the amniotic sac. Mm. And I think I kind of panicked. And latched onto this idea that maybe that wasn't my baby. Maybe it was just the placenta, or maybe it was a blighted ovum. And I ended up flushing it down the toilet. And I don't hate myself for doing that, but I hate that that happened. Mm -hmm. And I really Mm -hmm. wish it hadn't. So that's just a tangent, um, which now I can't bring the train back around (laughs) to figure out what I was talking about before.
3: It's about the kit, the different items in the kit.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, in the kit. That's right. Yeah. So that, yeah, you can have something to hold your baby until you know what to do. And then there is also like a sifter to catch your blood clots, oh. to be able to examine them, things mm-hmm. like that. And so that friend, she had brought that to me. She had had, um, she had had miscarriages before too. So anyway, there's, it's just interesting. You don't realize how many people have had miscarriages until you have one and yeah. they all reach out and they all lift you and mm-hmm. buoy you up. And wow. so Again, I was actually very grateful I shared early on because and that I have been vocal and open with it. I posted the day of or the next day that on Instagram that I had lost my baby and just immediately was flooded mm. with support. So yeah. yeah, wow that's amazing. How long would you say
2: the experience was from that? that, that waking up and you realize things were shifting to then you being in the bathroom to then being in your bed? Like, can, do you have an
1: idea? Yeah. Um, so like I said, so Saturday I was lightly bleeding all day, Mm -hmm. um, started cramping that night, slept through the night, woke up around four because my client had texted me to tell me she was in labor um, realized I was still bleeding, realized where things were probably going, passed my first blood clot, probably around six or something, and then finished passing most everything by the end of the day,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like by eight or something. Um, I continued to bleed for about a month wow. after. Um, so, which that got really old. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I got got really tired of doing that. And that's, I would say the hardest part of this miscarriage really is the hormones and the postpartum. Um, one of the hardest things for me was, um, not getting the postpartum that I wanted and having to experience the postpartum without a baby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause I, that was what I had imagined the most was having my baby and sitting in bed for days, um, and just healing with my baby, but this time didn't get that. And I had all the hormones to go with it. And that was incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. My, I haven't experienced postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, but I do get, um, I do get really irritable and I don't like it. So the hormone, and yeah, so hormones just that has been really difficult and wanting. You know, it's just loss, you know, you didn't want it to happen, but it did. And now you have to deal with the consequences. Mm -hmm. And so that that was really rough. (laughs)
3: Can you can you talk a little bit about how you have dealt with, you know, those those challenging moments, like you said, those days in postpartum in the past, there was a baby with you. And now there isn't a baby. And so how are you, how are you dealing with those moments when you just want to be in bed? And then, you yeah. know, I imagine you're reminded of what isn't there with you. How do you, how do you, have you been dealing with that?
1: Yeah. You know, there was one morning, a couple of days after I must've had a dream about having a baby or like having one. And I woke up and halfway between sleep and waking, I said to myself, oh, it's been a little while since I fed my baby. And then I came up all the way and realized, oh. Wow. There is isn't no baby. Mm-hmm. And that mornings were the hardest for me. Um, especially once my husband and kids would leave for work and for school. Um, I felt very alone, but, um, again, I, I had actually a lot more support than probably most people. Um, women in my neighborhood friends actually create a sign up to come sit with me during the day. Wow. So I didn't have to be alone. Um, Yeah. You guys get yourselves a a tribe, (laughs) get yourself some good mom friends. That's what we'll get you through. But, um, but nobody can be with you all the time. So in that time between people coming, visiting me and being in bed at home, I would journal, I would write in my journal. I would write about how I was feeling. I would write down things I was grateful for. Um, and you can think you would be surprised how much you can be grateful for, even during a really difficult trial. Mm. I was grateful that my husband opened our shutters every morning and I felt the sun on my face. Mm-hmm. I loved that. The sun is so healing. Um, so one thing I wanted to mention too is um, people can really help, but some people are better equipped for helping than others.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: One friend I had come, she, um, she was very emotional about miscarriage in general. She had a sister who had experienced two and just thought it was just awful and so sad and terrible. And that was really difficult for me to manage because I was trying to process it myself. I was still trying to figure it out. And her bringing in her emotion and her feeling was like, all of a sudden she was on my laying down on my bed crying. And I was just like, Mm. I don't know what to do with this. And, um, it's nothing against her. It, she was just not the right person to process with. And that is really okay. And, um, I've been asked, you know, what can I do to help a friend who's miscarried? And I think one, the best thing that anybody said to me was Susan, I don't know what to say, but I love you so much. And that was perfect. Because she wasn't putting any expectations on me. She wasn't assuming any of my feelings. She was just saying she loved me. And that was beautiful. Um, And that's, and if you're not the person that can carry someone's burden like that, that's okay. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be their person. Um, Hopefully, you know, if you can, that's amazing and helpful, but if you can't, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Um, the friend that was able to carry it for me was the friend who brought me the miscarriage kit. And she came and she listened and she brought me a sandwich and she, she let me tell my entire story. And that was incredibly healing. So back to your question, what has helped, um, being able to process with people who can carry my burden with me, journaling, recognizing what I'm grateful for and knowing that this is going to make me a better person and help other people. Mm-hmm. So thank you for letting me do that too. I'm, I'm really happy. I get to share my story on here. Wow. We're grateful. You mentioned a lot of the outreach you
2: received and the the connection. I was just wondering if you could share a little bit more about that, whether it's, you know, any specific takeaways or things that you got out of some of that outreach or that others got out of connecting with you. You know, you said, I'm sure you've been asked a lot of questions and, People want to know Mm -hmm. how they can support and how they can show up and be space holders. And I'm just wondering how you've kind of, um, how you've shared your story in the way that you have and how you can continue
1: Mm -hmm. to do so. So online, it's mostly been what, Oh, I was going to say one thing that I did too, is, you know, I'm a photographer and I was also disappointed that I wasn't going to be able to have the birth photos that I wanted. Yeah. Um, I actually decided to do my own photography, kind of my own series of miscarriage. Um, and that was really healing too. Mm -hmm. So I, it just, I was able to express my feelings through that. Um, Um, the ways people showed up for me. Okay. Um, sometimes I just needed a hug. Mm-hmm. And people would come in, I'd immediately begin crying, and they would come and hug me, and that was the best thing they could do. Sometimes I needed people to take my daughter um to play, so I didn't feel like she was watching t v all day um i mean the the support that you that people I think need to receive for a miscarriage is very similar to what people need after having a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, just a little more hugs involved, I think. Okay. Um, so there was that. And then I had one woman come do my dishes. Mm-hmm. Another one did my laundry, another one swept my floors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had people, my aunt and my cousin came over and both of them rubbed my feet and they, they said, you know, nobody says no to a good foot rub. <laughs> and so that, I actually I'm gonna take that into my own. That's my new thing. I'm gonna start being a foot rubber. <laughs>
3: mm, that's great. Um
1: so I think uh oh, I got crumble cookies. People brought me <laughs> crumble cookies. I got um dinners, people maybe dinners, um, flowers, treats. My sister in law had Target drop off like a whole bag of some of my favorite sweets and um. Oh, what else? And it was funny too. Cause like I said, people were so different. Sometimes people would come and they, I'd un- unload a little bit. Some people would come, we just talk about stuff. And then one woman came and she said, so what happened? <laughs> I thought, oh, "Wow, wow, hmm, okay,
3: <laughs> we're yeah. going
1: there. Um, and I mean, people are going to be like that and that's okay yeah. too. Yeah. Like um, I'm not going to hold it against her because, and she actually had had a miscarriage too. So I was interested. I thought, Oh, okay. That's just who you are. And that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and I was at the point where I could explain that, but I think if you are not at that point and somebody asks you that it is totally okay for you to say, you know, I don't really want to talk yeah. about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You can tell them you don't need to be polite to everybody, Yeah. Right. You know everybody's got their own way to handle it and you've got your own way and you get to dictate how the conversation goes Mm -hmm.
2: how is your physical body now how are you feeling and how's the the healing been have you needed any sort of extra care or you know have you needed um i don't want to say intervention but or you know whatever whatever that is around your your physical healing
1: Yeah, some okay, that's an important topic. Some women do need extra intervention. Some women need the D and C. What I did is called expectant management, which is I basically paid attention to um how much blood I was losing, Mm -hmm. if it smelled, and I think there was there was kind of a list of things. I'm trying to remember what they all were. Um, but those, oh, if I had a fever. Okay. So if I had a fever, if the if I smelled really bad if I was losing a lot, um, and just kind of paid attention to those things and none of those things happened. And so I never had to go in and get extra, extra help. Mm -hmm. But, um, physically speaking for the first, my midwife wanted me to stay in bed literally for the first five days. Mm -hmm. And if I got up at all, it couldn't be more for more than 10 minutes and just take it really, really easy. And so it was very helpful to have people coming by to help since I couldn't, do much. Um, after that things just kind of started going back to normal, which is kind of a journey in and of itself because everything's normal, but you're not, Mm. um, my, my mom actually lost one of my brothers. Um, he was 18. So it's a little different, but I just feel a lot more for what it was like for her. Mm. I was nine when he died, but, um, just like I can't imagine, I can sort of imagine now having that loss, and then having to move on when everybody else is not as affected as you are. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. But um, physically speaking, I feel like I'm. I'm mostly back. Um, there's been some. Oh, that was something else I kind of noticed before I started miscarrying my body. It stopped growing. Mm-hmm. I noticed that it, my, everything you expect with pregnancy to grow stopped for me and I kind of brushed it off again. I was trying to be just very positive in everything, and yeah. but that was an indication that I saw anyway. Um, yeah, physically speaking, it's mostly back to normal. The hormones are still wonky, um, There's nothing I can really do about that. Just wait it out. (laughs) But if anybody knows of anything I can do about that, let me know because that would be great. (laughs) Yeah. Someone's doing something, you know, when I, I mean, you hear things about placenta encapsulation, definitely want to try that with Mm -hmm. the next baby for sure. Um, yeah. yeah.
3: So is the, is the intention to get pregnant again in the future based on what you just said?
1: Yeah, I think so. I I think we will try and have one more. Sometimes I'm very much. Yes. Sometimes I'm kind of no. Yeah. Um, when I think about my hormones, it's no, because I just don't like how I am. And it's just really hard for me to get through that. But also I don't want to live my life in fear. I don't want to make decisions based off of fear. And mm-hmm. so um, we feel like there's probably one more and so we can go for it. I think at this point, we're just like, it's all in God's hands mm-hmm. and yeah. we're not going to try and stop it, but we're not going to necessarily mm-hmm. super try either.
3: Mm-hmm. I understand okay. that.
1: Yeah. We'll continue to hold the space
2: for you, for your healing and your family. And as it continues to to evolve and you, you grow in love together, I'm so grateful to you for sharing your story, for continuing to do it like you are—I mean, even beyond this space—I know you're sharing it in your platforms in your spaces, and your spaces—and just so much that can be learned, so much that can be um, connected on, you know, th- this human level that we can we can connect and have compassion for for one another, and we can empathize and, and share our experiences. I'm really grateful to have yours be a part of our. Our communities, and I want to include links to all the ways that people can find you to learn more about you and what you do in your work, as well as you know what you're what you're embracing and taking on as far as this journey and how you are uh, presenting it and how you're documenting it and how you are um, showing all all sides of it. You know, the beautiful to the painful and, and everything in between.
1: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. I don't know. Do I put my plug in right now? (laughs) Sure. Plug away. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, if you are interested in hearing a little Mm -hmm. more of my story, I tell pretty in depth, the entire thing um, through an Instagram live that I have on my Instagram. It's susan.joy.az. My website is susanjoyaz.com and I try and make it really easy, (laughs) but um, yeah, it's, I continue to share and my hope is that others can feel connected in that way and you can reach out and ask questions and we can kind of just work through it together. Mm. Um, Yeah.
3: I want to say real quick in closing, Susan, I'm very grateful to you for answering our questions the way that you did and for um, letting us know before we even hit record that you you wanted questions and you were very, very open to, to talk about all aspects of this because You know, I think myself included. um, There's a lot of others out there that this is a topic that you might have questions, but you may not ask them. Yeah. And you might be wondering certain things, but think "Mm, this is uncomfortable, and I don't want to. um, I don't want to make the you know the the mom feel a certain way. So let me just. I don't want to
1: make her cry. I don't want (laughs) to make her cry.
3: So um, I'm just really grateful to you for how you approach this entire conversation and um, just the way that you are sharing. So no, so honestly. I'm glad
1: I could be that with you. And I mean, one thing I want to mention is not everyone can be that way. And so yep. for those who are interested in learning on how to be a supportful, supportive person, um, tread carefully, mm-hmm. kind of feel the waters first. Yep. Um, Don't immediately jump out with asking questions because I understand not everyone approaches this experience mm-hmm. the same way that I have and so I appreciate you asking me questions because yes, that is that is how I'm able to cope.
3: Yeah. Well, I think you, you know, telling us, hey, I would like, I'd like for you all to ask questions, and'm I'm, I'm very open about talking about this experience. Um, by you saying that, it really put us, you know, Sarah and I in the, in the frame of mind of, okay, well, we'll we'll ask the things that are on our mind. So um, again, thank you for that, and just for being just for being who you are and sharing this experience with that you are, I'm, I'm very grateful. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thank you. And thank you for what you do. It's important work that we're doing.
2: quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood.
3: Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done